Good morning. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sunrise. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, even when the sun's shining the way it is. We'll get there soon, I promise. My name's Jeff. I'm filling in for Dan this morning, as is usually the case on a beautiful holiday weekend. He suckers me into coming here. I'm just kidding. I love being with you guys. We're going to worship the Lord this morning, so please stand to your feet, and you can make your way in if you're still chatting out there. I was saying to the team in our morning prayer that a lot of these songs, and I didn't do this on purpose when I picked them out, but I sort of realized it later, that a lot of these songs have references to the resurrection. There's a line about rolling stones away in two of the songs, so... I thought that was kind of cool as we uh, sing this morning to keep that in mind, that uh, spirit of resurrection, that feeling that God is alive. We have the beautiful sunshine, the springtime coming. It's a time of renewal and rebirth. And so we just want to uh, keep that in our hearts as we sing this morning, that Christ is risen, Christ is alive, new things are happening, new things are growing. Amen? All right, so let's sing together. praise be your welcome let our songs be a sign we are here for you we are here for you let your breath come from heaven fill our hearts with your life we are here for you we are here for you to you our hearts are open nothing here is hidden you are one
sing that again. To you are to
We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Let's sing that again. We are the beggars, now we're royal team. We were the prisoners, now we're unafraid. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the
that this morning God and we just thank you we thank you for coming here today being in your home and being with us we thank you for all the many blessings you've given us and for the trials that you may have given us as well for all things are good through you Lord we love you God amen well good morning sunrise how are we today Good. Who is enjoying the beautiful Michigan summer weather? Anybody else? Oh, it's like a kiss from God after the last several months of snow and cold. Well, hey, we are glad that you are here. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We're just excited that you're here because we think we're pretty cool, but we're even cooler with you here, and that's the truth. So anyways, we have a few quick announcements. Uh, the first is this, Three's Company. 
We have Three's Company happening July, August, and September. So make sure you sign up. It's going to be a great way to get connected, to get to meet people here in the church. It's just a really, really cool thing that we have to offer here at Sunrise. Also, we have the Sunrise Kids Day Camp registration, which is coming up to a deadline to sign up on May 31. Everyone say May. May. 31. 31. Beautiful. So make sure you check out our website so you can get all of the important information so that you can get your kids signed up. It's going to be fun. I've heard a lot of good things about our Kids Day Camp. And Julie does a phenomenal job of setting that up and running it. So make sure you get your kids signed up. Also, we have Graduation Sunday coming up next Sunday, June 4. Everyone say June. June. 4. Can we believe that we're almost in June? That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Well, anyways, if you are a graduate high school, college, some of you may have gotten your doctorate, whatever it may be, we would love to honor and celebrate you. So if you could, please email me, Corey, at sunrisemen.org so I can get you some important information so that we can properly honor you because we want to do that. Also, we have Pub Theology coming up Tuesday, June 6th at the Matices house. Everyone say hi, Noah. Hi, Noah. Noah's back over there in the corner. We're going to have Pub Theology there for the men Tuesday at 6 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. Make sure that you are there. Also, everybody is invited to the end of the summer bonfire, okay, on June 9 at 627. Not 626, not 628. 6.27 p.m. So we're going to have it out there near the shed, and it's going to be a great time just to celebrate the end of the summer. If you want to burn your homework, if you want to burn your journal... If you have that folder, huh? The beginning of, did I say end of summer? Oh, my word. Beginning of summer. The coffee has not kicked in yet. So anyways, the beginning of summer, we're going to celebrate that end of the school year, and uh, it will be great. Also at this time, we just want to remind you of the three ways that you can give and partner with us here at Sunrise. You can give online, you can give through the app, or you can give with a good old-fashioned envelope in those beautiful boxes back there that Randy made. And so we would just love for you to join us with that. At this time, I'm going to hand it off to Dennis. All right, got, got one quick thing uh, that I need to do before we uh, dismiss the kids and we take some time to, to greet each other. Uh, so as most of you know, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be selecting uh, a few new elders. And uh, we have one particular elder that has served uh, graciously and faithfully over the last several years. That uh, Kate, are you in here? Did you? I need Kate to come up here with me real quick. And we just... Um, so we want to thank her for her service. Uh, she was telling the boys back in the back, she's like, yeah, it's cash prizes. There's going to be a cake. None of that, actually. Um, but that's right. They're like, you're a lying liar who tells lies. Um, but we are so thankful for you, and we thank you for your service. And could we just pray over Kate real quick, um, her and, and Andrew and the boys, as we, uh, as we send her off to do what God is calling her to do. So if you would uh, just bow your heads with me, let's just go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this dear friend, and we thank you for the load that she's carried on behalf of this body over the last several years. Lord, we thank you for placing her um, in this position for such a time as this. Lord, for her leadership and for her kindness and for her care. Lord, through the season of COVID and through the transition as Pastor Dan was, was stepping down, 
Um, Lord, we, we thank you for her work and her kindness. Lord, for her heart for you. Lord, and the heart that she has for the people that you love. And so, God, we just pray right now that you would bear her up, that you would carry her along. We thank you for Kate and for Andrew, for Liam and for Miles, Lord, and we pray that you would just guard their family, Lord, and that not only that you would keep them safe, but you would make them dangerous, (laughs) that they would take ground for the kingdom wherever they go, in the mighty and the strong and the powerful name of Jesus, we pray, amen. All right, thank you, dear friend. All right. Okay, children, you may be dismissed your class. Everyone else, you can stand up and act like you like each other for about three minutes. All right, everybody, here we go. If you could please start making your way back to your seats, we will get going this morning. So today, we are continuing on our series entitled Jesus Said, and we're going to be moving from chapter 5 to chapter 7 of Matthew uh, continuing on with the, the Sermon on the Mount, and today we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture, a passage of Scripture that at least most people in the English-speaking world um, know and can quote. So how many of you have ever heard these words or something like these words quoted to you when you're in a conversation with someone? Well, the Bible says not to judge. Anybody? Anybody ever had that leveled at you? Yeah, well, it's happened to me. Uh, and most of the time, there are a few things that are true um, when, when this is quoted and of the person who is quoting this, um, in my experience. The first thing is that often the person quoting the verse and I are having some kind of a, of a disagreement. Uh, it could be big or it could be small, but we're having a disagreement about what is good, what is right, or what is permissible for a person, right? A, a believer, a non-believer, whomever, but for a person to do, to think, to believe where they should go or who they should be. The second thing that's almost always true is that the person quoting this verse, at least people that are quoting it to me, they can't tell me where it's found in the scriptures. They just know that it's in there somewhere. And this may be just me, and maybe this is not something that's universal about people who have experienced this verse quoted to them when they're in a conversation or a disagreement with someone. But, but sometimes, like not, not every time, but often enough for it to be curious, um, is that the verse is quoted in a preemptive manner? Is that we've not even actually had a disagreement yet? But the person that I'm having the conversation with is living in such a way um, that they make an assumption when they find out that I'm a pastor type that I'm not going to approve of what they think or where they go or what they consume or how they function in their life. And they preemptively quote this verse to me because they're afraid that someone in my position with my background and my sensibilities are going to naturally be a person that isn't filled with grace but that's filled with judgment. And i got to be honest with you, this last one is one of the hardest things for me to take. Because it says something. It says something about the person, but it also says something about the perception of those of us who name the name of Christ and follow Jesus, especially those of us who are in the clergy. 
So now let's, let's really be honest for just a second. Many of us have heard this or had this said to them, but how many of you have actually said this to somebody else? How many of you have been in a position where you have either said it or you have thought it, right? Where you, and mom's not here, but if she was here, I could say this in in her presence, um, right? How many of you have sat under the white hot gaze (laughs) of a mother or a grandmother who doesn't approve of something that you're doing or something that you now believe? How many of you have, have sat in this position where, where whether you've said it or not, you've thought it, you've thought this, this statement? Well, the Bible says not to judge. Why? Because, well, the reality is, is that none of us likes to feel like we are under the judgment or condemnation of anybody else, do we? You see, none of us likes to feel like we are being measured against a standard that either we cannot or will not uphold. Whether it's judgment that's leveled for a bad habit or maybe it's judgment that's leveled for a poor choice, past or present. Maybe some of us have experienced judgment for for things that are even outside of our own control. We experience judgments for where we were born or who our parents are or or maybe it's something about your ethnicity, the color of your skin or or even your, your gender. Maybe you, you come to this place to where somebody looks at you. Maybe, maybe you're a math and science gal and you know exactly what I'm talking about. We've all been there. And we've all ex- experienced this. And, 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 and I think that when we find ourselves receiving or on the receiving end of judgment from others, even the most Emotionally sturdy among us feel the prick of rejection, don't we? When we feel like someone's looking down their nose at us, and it elicits all kinds of, of reactions. And, and for me, when I was younger or when I was small or when I was less comfortable in my own skin, often that reaction would be shame or regret. There was, there was often a, a tendency to hide who I really was so that others wouldn't judge me for who I am. But now that I'm older, it's not so much shame and fear of hiding, but when I feel myself being judged, there is a, right, there's the tiny little Dennis inside of me that raises his tiny little fists. <laughs> and it's not so much the flight that takes hold, but the fight So this morning, um, I want us to to take a good hard look at these six verses, three paragraphs, and I want us to allow the words of Jesus to maybe soak into us individually, but also corporately as we look at a general principle about what it means to be a Jesus kind of person. There's a general principle, then there's a hyperbolic illustration And then there's a contextualized application that I think has a whole lot to say to us this morning. Let's read these first couple of verses here, and we'll we'll make some commentary and then go back and 
and look at them. So the general principle, Jesus is saying this in the Sermon on the Mount, do not judge. And, and, and honestly, the, the word here, we kind of have this, this idea, but really when you see the word judge, think past judgment or past condemnation. What Jesus is trying to convey here, it, it's not simply that we're, we're judging between right and wrong, but that we are making a verdict on somebody. Who they are or what they do, that we are pounding the gavel and we are sending them away. And so when Jesus says, do not judge, he's not talking about making a, a moral judgment about something. He's not talking about there not being a right or a wrong. He's not talking about there not being a left or a right or an up or a down or a truth or a falsehood, what he's talking about is the tendency that many of us as human beings have is to put ourselves in the place of judge, jury, and executioner when we encounter people with whom we disagree. Are you with me? Do not judge, Jesus says. Why? Or you will be judged. Here Jesus is, is pressing in. He's basically giving us this general truth, this general principle that says when you set yourself up as judge, jury, and executioner, how you judge others is how they're going to judge you. It's not so much a prohibition for making judgments about what is right or wrong or what is good or better or what is best or what is not so good. It's a reminder that when we judge other people, we are setting ourselves up to fall under the same condemnation that we are leveling towards others. How we treat folk, the standard that we hold people to, Jesus is going to say here in a minute, that knife cuts both ways. Don't judge or you will be judged for, and here's where he gets to this, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with, the, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There are probably going to be two people in this room right now that care about this. But I was fascinated by verse 2. In verse 2, there are basically what Mark, Matthew is doing is he, well, there's like five words in verse 2. Jesus literally is saying in this verse, for in judge, judge will be judged. He uses the word to judge or condemn three times. And he does the same thing when it talks about measurement in the next verse. Jesus is, is putting his finger on something here, and basically what he's saying is that when you judge others, be sure that they're going to look at you through the same lens that you are looking at them through. In the same way that you are going to condemn others, the standard that you're holding them to, the measurement that you're, you're setting up, be sure to know that that thing is going to come back on you as well. Jesus is is telling all of those that are listening to him in this moment that all y'all must not condemn others or you'll find yourself being condemned. For the code or the standard by which you judge, you will be judged by that same standard by others. Jesus gives us a general principle that honestly, all of us, if 
we were awake know that it's true. But then he goes on to, to give us an illustration of how this works out. And he does so in a way that's hyperbolic. He exaggerates, he overstates to make his point. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus gives an illustration that I think is really, well, it's absurd. When he's talking about the speck here, most of the translations talk about a speck of sawdust, but the reality is that Jesus is just simply saying a speck or, or a splinter. And so today, I, I walked, as I was walking out um, to, to, to load up the car, I just walked over to the flower bed and I picked up a piece of mulch. And what's interesting is that when Jesus is talking about the speck, this piece of, piece, piece of mulch is ridiculously large compared to the speck that, that Jesus was, was talking about. Now, those of you that work in construction, those of you, um, e- even like me, that are like weekend warriors where, where, where you know, your wife asks and asks and asks and asks and asks and finally you do something outside, um, <laughs> if you get something in your eye, even the smallest thing in one's eye can be such an irritant, it can keep you from seeing clearly. It can, de- it can render you unable to actually do menial functions. But Jesus says that, that there's a reality that some of, uh, some of those that are under his voice on that day, they function so hypocritically that, that they go around and they, they, they take upon themselves the title of spec inspectors. <laughs> that they are professional spec inspectors. Right? Some of you may have grown up in church cultures where, where, where this passage was quoted, and they said, well, the Bible says not to judge, but I'm not judging. I'm just a fruit inspector. <laughs> Any of you hear that? Here's what they mean. They mean, I got all these problems, but I'm going to ignore the beam, literally what Jesus is talking about here, so as absurdly large as this piece of mulch is, this board is absurdly small because when Jesus is referring to the beam, he's referring to the main truss that holds up the flat roof of a house in Palestine in Jesus' day, right? It's a beam that I probably couldn't put up on my shoulder, but he was like, this is what you look like when you claim to be a fruit inspector or when you claim to be a person who goes around and, and, and to dig the speck out of other people's eye because the reality is, is you've taken the sword of the Spirit and you've used that as a weapon to assault other people when the primary purpose of the sword of the Spirit that Paul talks about is to be a scalpel where the Spirit can do work on your own heart. And this is what we do. 
And my friends, the reality is, as I was studying this, this passage this week, I thought to myself, how often do I find myself in that same spot where I look at someone else and they've got a speck in my eye, and a speck in their eye, and I can see that speck so clearly. And there may be a large piece of my heart that says, I want them to be alleviated from the pain that that speck is causing. But the reality is, is that not only am I a speck inspector, I'm a plank or a beam ignorer. That I put up with, with the stuff in my own life because, frankly, it's just too hard to deal with. It's too difficult to, to sit in the space. It's too difficult to drag my sin or my shortcoming or my failings out into the light, kicking and screaming in a trusted place where I can surrender those things to the Spirit of God. Jesus, in, in this conversation, is, is urging these people to stop being spec inspectors, to stop having sky-high expectations for others while I have menial and low expectations of myself. It's to call people is to call people to a place where they recognize, folks, and this is something that has been hard won and is being hard won in my own life because the minute that I feel like I've got it, I realize that I don't. Is to come to a place to where when I sin, I want grace, but when others sin, I want justice. How do I come to a place to where I want justice? And I want grace for all of us, but I recognize that I'm not the one who gets to dispense justice or judgment. You see, the danger of becoming a self-appointed judge is this, is that at some point I'm going to be the one that's sitting in the defendant's box because I'm going to be the one that has wronged somebody else. At some point, I'm going to need grace. And I think part of what Jesus is saying here is that if we are stingy with mercy and free with judgment, we're likely to reap what we've sown. After so many years in ministry, one of the things that I... Well, the sad truths I think that I've found is that quite often plank ignorers who are also spec inspectors are often very unhappy people. And because of their unhappiness, they they find themselves surrounded by few when their time on this earth grows to an end. Jesus gives us a general principle. He um, drives this home with a hyperbolic illustration. And the last thing that he does is he, he makes a contextualized application. Don't give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do... They may trample them under their feet and turn 
and tear you to pieces. So what do we... What do we got going on here? We've, we've got two animals that Jesus uses, and he, he contextualizes. And, and, and what's interesting is that the two animals that he uses are both considered to be unclean. Obviously, pigs are sort of the epitome of the unclean animal. Uh, if you're a good uh, Jewish man or woman, you would, never, right, you would never eat bacon, which is why. I think I may have shared this before, but there were several years ago, my favorite meme that's ever been that I've ever seen, has a picture in four different quadrants, and it shows a, um, in the top, it's like th- th- there's an imam, and then next to him is a rabbi, then, then down here is a, um, um, a Hindu holy man, and then right next to him is a Catholic cardinal, and they're all sort of in, decked out in their garb, and, 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 and it says of the, of the imam, right, funny hat, no bacon, <laughs> of the rabbi, funny hat, no bacon. Of the Hindu holy man, funny hat, no bacon. And then it shows the cardinal and says, funny hat, we got the bacon, right? And so I think about this, and for nothing else, right? Part of the way of following Jesus is when, you know, that, that whole sheet thing with Peter, and he was like, rise, kill, and eat. And I'm like, yeah, bacon. <laughs> but the people who were hearing Jesus, they would have understood what Jesus was saying. Is that, is that pigs and dogs, that he's talking about pigs, the things that are unclean, the things that you would, you would never eat, that you would never consume, that you would, wouldn't even want to touch, you wouldn't even wouldn't even want to be around. When he's talking about dogs, he's, he's talking about uh, scavengers. He's talking about pack animals, right? Not the dogs that, that, that we have for, for pets today. He's, he's talking about something that's dangerous, that if you meet in the wild, you will likely find yourself in a world of trouble. When he's talking about pearls, he's talking about something that are of great value and are of great price, that are of great expense, that you would never present to an ungrateful, unclean animal who's, who's incapable of understanding their, their worth. So here's, here's what I was thinking about this. So, so, so Jesus makes the, this contextualized example that, that his listeners are absolutely sure to have gotten. And I thought, well, what would that look like today? And I started thinking about... Um, my grand dog, Frank. <laughs> now, one of the things that um, you, you, you know is that Caleb and Alex, they're, they're, they're engaged. And, and uh, Caleb came home, I don't know, it was a few uh, weeks ago. And, and uh, he said, hey, and, you know, Alex and I got a dog. And, and you know, it's going to be Frank just lives with, with Alex and her mom right now. But, but, but so I have now, I have a grand cat, Otis, in, in Chicago, and I have a grand dog, Frank, who lives right up the hill. Now, Frank is kind of amazing. Um, he's a little bit skittish. He, he's, he's dealing with some PTSD. But look at him. He's just, he's just adorable. Um, and, and we're really kind of convinced that Frank is probably a special animal because we opened the pool over the last, this last week and we had the solar cover on it and, and Alex brought Frank over to our house to run in the backyard and um, he thought that the solar cover was actually a solid surface <laughs> and he headed across the pool but because he is so small or maybe because he's so holy, we're not even sure... <laughs> Frank literally ran across the pool yesterday, and we were like, what is this? We're not sure what to do with this. You see, the dogs that Jesus was talking about, they, they weren't, well, they weren't like Grand Frank. But, but even in this case, I wonder if there's something instructive here for us, because Jesus says, don't give to dogs that which is 
sacred. Agios is the, is the Greek word here, and, 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 and it means set apart or consecrated. It's, it's actually only translated sacred four times. It's almost always translated holy, right? And, and, and it's when it talks about the holy temple, it's the temple that is agias. When it talks about the holy place or the holy of holies, the, that inner sanctum in the temple, it's the agias. When we talk about the holy city, even when we talk about the Holy Spirit, so Jesus is saying, you, you wouldn't give to a dog something that was sacred. Jesus' hearers would have also understood when he was talking about holy or sacred, he was talking about something that was consecrated or set apart. And, and, and oftentimes, at least in, in this construct or this mindset, uh, for something to be holy had very little to do with the thing itself, but how the thing had been dedicated for holy purposes. So something that was holy could be a very ordinary thing, right? It, it could be, a, it could be a, a dish, or it could be a scepter. It could be something that was built out of, out of wood. It, it could be anything common enough, like, I don't know, for example, like maybe a dress. Right? A dress is just a dress, right? Well, a dress is a dress until it's a dress like this. There's something holy about this dress, right? Holy in the sense that it's set apart. It's that it's meant for something special and a special purpose. That, that it communicates something in its color, in its function. As most of you know, uh, Caleb and Alex are... are getting married in this very space here in just a few weeks, and it was probably a few months ago that, what? You said a few weeks. Yeah, well, it's October. <laughs> dude, dude, when you, when you get my age between the end of May and October, it's like, I don't know, I, I've, that happens in a hurry. You were 12 years old two weeks ago. I don't know what's going on now. <laughs> But a few months ago, Alex and the girls went and they, they, they picked out her dress and we've kept this a real secret because we want the first time that Caleb sees this to be, to be that day in early October. I think what Jesus is trying to say is that right, to give something sacred to someone who is incapable of receiving that sacred thing, that no matter how true your truth is, no matter how well-intentioned you may be, there is wisdom that comes because the reality is is that sometimes we don't intend to be judgmental, but we can come off in that way because we give unsolicited advice. And my friends, what happens is that unsolicited advice often is received as judgment or rejection. Even sometimes when we ask for permission to give someone our opinion. See, I, and I know I've said this a lot, but the reality is, folks, that quite often I think that one of the biggest problems with the church is that we expect more from the people out there than we expect from ourselves in here. And we fail to give people grace that we want in here that are out there. We fail to be people that 
that meet folks where they are and, and don't see our job as changing them or, or passing condemnation upon them, but see ourselves as people who are equally as guilty as anybody that's walking around on this planet because every one of us are sinners, but yet Jesus. Jesus has come and he's met us. And he's taken our sin and our guilt and our shame, and, and even when that, that, that rears up within us, we, we know it, but we understand that we're not the ones who get the bang, the gavel, but God alone. God alone has that right. And I wonder if what Jesus was saying to his disciples here is that, folks, when, when, when you judge others, when you function um, in, a, in a hypocritical way, when you do those things, even if it is from a heart that is well-meant, that when we give that unsolicited advice, when we, we judge others or tell them what they ought to do or ought not to do, to those that are hearing that bit of truth or advice to to many it's as absurd as putting grand dog Frank in a wedding dress don't give dogs what is sacred don't throw your pearls to pigs if you do they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Yep, Jesus said, don't judge. But why? Well, I think the why comes as we understand all of what Jesus is trying to say in this passage. Because when you and I condemn others, we're doing a job that is not ours. When you and I pass judgment or condemnation on someone, especially someone that we do not know or have a relationship or experience a loving discord, discourse with, we are almost always flirting with hypocrisy. And when I do that, when I set myself up as judge, jury, and executioner, I am almost never drawing people toward Jesus. I'm driving them away. Because God is their judge. And here's the thing. God is a judge who doesn't just seek retribution. He is one who knows and seeks justice. He is one, the one, who is holy. He is the one who is the embodiment of that which is sacred. The one who spoke these words, the second person of the Trinity. As Jeff and the team come to, to lead us in our last song, I, I wonder if Part of what this passage is saying is to, to us this morning is, is please don't present the Father to people wrapped in a package of judgmentalism and hypocrisy. When you go into the outside world in this way, People will hear your message and see your behavior.
and your faith will seem as absurd to them as Grand Dog Frank in a wedding dress. But when we love and when we speak truth with grace and when the people around us know that we can disagree and we can hold things in tension but yet we're not going anywhere. You see those, that ground is fertile for growth. So today, as we sing our final song, declaring our need for God, here's what I'd ask us to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to to bring to your mind those moments where you and I may be spec inspectors and plank ignorers. Allow the Spirit of God, ask Him to bring to your mind those moments where we may come across as those who are leveling judgment rather than those that are seeking God's justice. Ask the Spirit of God to communicate and to help you to listen. Because sometimes, folks, not everything that I think needs to be said out loud. Pray for wisdom that he would let you know when there's a time to speak and when there's a time to be still. And to his honor and for his glory. So, Father, as we... We sing our closing song today. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us. That this might be our confession. That we need you. More than anything else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
song to rise in you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay So on a weekend in this country where we are reminded of how much we have to be thankful for, but we remember those who sacrificed, never forget this. Anytime someone sacrifices, anytime someone lays their life down for something greater, they are simply following in the steps of what Jesus taught us to do. And so as we go from this place on this special time and in this special season, be reminded that each and every one of us needs to be dead men and women walking. <laughs> dead to ourselves, Alive in Him. That it's not our job to condemn for He alone. Is the righteous and just judge in whom we have hope. Amen. As we go, remember that the offering boxes are in the back. Thank you so much for being here. Now, after enduring two graduations in less than a month and a graduation party on Thursday and finishing up a water polo season, I'm going to sleep for two days. Go in God's peace.